Well, we have nine more holes to go, so how about you two fellas follow me to the 10th tee? On to the back nine, hour number two of Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper, son of Hall of Famer Billy Casper. Two players down the middle on the tempo. Here's Brian and Bob. Well, thank you very much and welcome in. Officially the start of hour number two, the back nine of Real Golf Radio. Thanks for joining us. At Real Golf is the Twitter handle. We're on X, Real Golf Radio on the other social channels. And that's what you can search also for uh, our podcast version of the show for your convenient listening, wherever your favorite podcasts are found. Bob Casper's in Morocco this week. You heard him in hour number one. You'll hear him again a little bit with the caddy coming up here on the back nine, hour number two. And then... As often happens in our conversations with the caddy, we finish up the segment, a time frame is done, and then the caddy just keeps going. That's what he's best at. He always has more to say. And so in this particular case and in others, we continue to roll and then we kind of create this sort of caddy uncut (laughs) version, which I know all of you would probably rather listen to the caddy uncut. Some of the stuff the caddy's willing to allow on Caddy Uncut, and some of them he's not. This one, he happened to be going down some stories. And so, he went. we got talking about Jordan Spieth and the scorecard snafu. The fact that he signed an incorrect scorecard and got disqualified from Genesis at Riviera last week. And there's basically, you know, we, we were debating what was important. Anyway, got down to this conversation around, you know, different issues or challenges, and it morphed into... Um, you know, penalties, and then it morphed into high scores on par threes. I was reading in the media guide that Tom Weiskopf in 1980, I don't remember this, but I want to go back and look it up, made a 13 on the 12th hole at Augusta. A 13. Now, maybe some of you listening remember that. I had a chance to meet Tom in the, his, his final years as he was designing and, and uh, architecting Black Desert. Just a, just a wonderful man. Uh, as I got a chance to be around him and such, but how did how did how does a thirteen a thirteen on a par three? Oof! I can tell you how a sixteen, a fourteen, I should say, can happen on a par three, and I'm going to share that story coming up when I was caddying for Billy Caspers in the Masters. Now, unofficially, it never happened, so he's not in the record book. But we did hit five balls in the water on sixteen in the 2000 and. Six Masters? 2005? Six? Shoot, I can't remember now. 2005 Masters, I think. Six. Ah, I forget. 2006, I think. Anyway, yeah, quite the story. So we'll talk about that. Also, much more to get into. Some caddy stories that came off of that. And uh, more about uh, the early predictions and preview of the Masters. The match is coming up. Recap in the West Coast Swing. Florida preview as well. It's all coming up right here on Real Golf Radio. Back to Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. Thanks again for joining us here on Real Golf Radio. Brian Taylor with you. Bob Casper's in Morocco. You'll hear from him coming up here in just a little bit with America's favorite caddy. But um, pretty cool opportunity that he has to go back to Morocco every year. Like I've always told him, if you get an invitation from a king with a palace, you should probably accept that invitation. And so that's what Bob's doing this week. He's... uh, over there with the royal family. And the Caspers are sort of royal family when it comes to golf in Morocco. And it's a cool story. And again, if you missed that, uh, we'll post that for you up on Twitter or X at Real Golf. So a couple of things. Uh, talking about the West Coast swing uh, and with the schedule. Again, the PGA Tour playing the Mexico Open at Vedanta. Tony Finau defending 
the first of his two wins from last year. A lot of discussion around Tony and his putting. It was brought out by uh, one of the guys from Patrick Rogers, I think is his name, or uh, if I remember right, uh, from CBS, that Tony is um, 169th out of 170 in putts from four to eight feet on the PGA Tour this year. So I looked that up. I want to know what, what's inside these numbers. What are we talking about here? So he's 19 for 51 from four to eight feet this year. Now, Tony's already got a top 10. I think he's had a sixth-place finish. <clears throat> he's only played, I think, five events so far on the year. Uh, inside of 10 feet, he's 173rd on tour. From 15 to 20 feet, he's 21st on tour. And here's what's interesting. His, he's 89th in three-putt uh, three avoidance. He's had eight three-putts in 270 holes, which is three better than Scotty Scheffler. Right, and Scotty Scheffler's numbers aren't great with the putter, but they're significantly better than Tony's. And obviously, he's the number one player in the world, so it's worth comparing there. So it, it's not so much that he's making a mess of the greens; he just isn't making the putts that count. I mean, those four to eight footers are so critical in the game. So anyway, uh, that's something that's to, to keep an eye on with Tony as he prepares for um, the players and the Masters coming up. He's always in that conversation, especially Augusta. We know how much. That one means to him, and he's had success. He's been in contention. He's been in a final group on Sunday when Tiger won in 2019. So he's experienced a lot there. He's seen a lot. And I think, what, three top tens, four top tens already in his in his young career there at Augusta National. So um, anyway, Tony with a little spotlight, and he's the highest-ranked player in the field this week at the Mexico Open. All right, back to the PGA Tour schedule. So as I mentioned, Mexico kind of sits right here as a little bridge between the West Coast swing and the Florida swing. Let's look at what we saw over the schedule for the for the Florida for the West Coast swing. Chris Kirk won the century to begin the year and the season. That's kind of the Hawaii swing, if you want to call it that. Chris Kirk with the win. It's a signature event. Three point six million of the twenty million dollar purse. That was a good one. Sony opened in Hawaii. It was Grayson Murray uh, in an eight point three million dollar purse. He takes home a million and a half, just shy. And then the American Express kicking off the official West Coast swing out in the desert, the Pete Dye Stadium course, La Quinta, California. Nick Dunlap, what a story Nick Dunlap was with JT, an amateur from Alabama, getting it done. Of course, wins no money, but uh, certainly has everything in front of him and finally accepted his membership on the PGA Tour and all the spoils that go along with it, his exemptions into the majors, just a really cool story at the American Express with Nick Dunlap. And then we go to the Farmers Insurance Open. Torrey Pines playing both the North and the South, finishing up on the weekend as they do on the South course. And it was a bit of a surprise winner, Matthew Pavone. So two surprise winners back-to-back. And I believe the way that they described it was the first player representing France to win on the PGA Tour in forever. And so um, Matthew Pavone getting the dub there. At Phoenix. And then AT&T, Pebble Beach. It's a reimagined AT&T. It's a signature event. $20 million purse. But they mix things up with the celebrities. The celebrities and the pro-am portion of the event was uh, relegated to the first two rounds. And then pros only on the weekend. The problem is Mother Nature decided to show up and canceled the final round. And Wyndham Clark was able to take advantage of a course record in the third round in shooting... What, 62, if I'm not mistaken? I should probably confirm that. But yeah, I believe he 
Shot, oh, 60, excuse me, shot a 60 in the final round. That's right, he had a putt for 59. Yeah, he shot a 60 in the final round and uh, was able to get the win. Ludwig Eberg, by the way, uh, was just a shot back. Again, this was after three rounds, and so they called it after three rounds, a 54-hole event. Matthew Pavone, the previously mentioned, was at 15 under. So he's two back with one to play. So that's, uh, anyway, when it came down to it, it was Wyndham Clark, who was declared the winner, of a rain-shortened signature event and gets all of the spoils that go along with that one. So not too, not too shabby um, uh, of a deal there. And again, Mother Nature would, would kind of continue to rain on the WM Phoenix Open the next week. Nick Taylor, nevertheless, putting on a great show. Charlie Hoffman battling it out. What Nick Taylor, I believe, birdied five of the last eight holes that he played, including the playoff holes. And he birdied the 18th hole three consecutive times. It's pretty sick stuff. And uh, was able to uh, win that one. So the Canadian getting the W there at the WM Phoenix Open. And then last week, the Genesis Invitational was also a little bit of a, it was kind of a, a of an interesting one. As we mentioned early in the show, you had the scorecard issue with Jordan Spieth, who was disqualified. Now, he did just come off shooting 73 in that second round, but he opened with a 66. And then Tiger Woods, after opening with 72, had to withdraw after six holes in the second round because he had uh, influenza, I believe, is what he was battling. And so he was off the golf course and gone. Uh, Justin Thomas missed the cut. Wyndham Clark coming off the 54-hole W, he missed the cut. And... You, you got Patrick Cantlay, who shot 64-65 to start the tournament and has a five-shot lead going into the weekend and I think had a three-shot lead going into the final day, if I'm not mistaken. And really surprising, he shoots 72, and Hideki Matsuyama from your rearview mirror shoots 62 in that final round. couple of magical shots coming down the stretch. Unbelievable stuff from Hideki. Shoots 62 to get to 17 under and has a three-shot win over Will Zalatoris and Luke List. Patrick Cantlay ultimately finishing at 13 under par, and he finished tied for fourth. So uh, with Adam Hadwin um, and Xander Shoffley was also right there, tied for fourth, who shot 70 in the final round. Um, so, yeah, interesting stuff. Will Zalatoris, 66, 70, 65, 69. He's a guy, especially as we start looking towards the Masters, that you want you start paying attention to, right? He had to withdraw. He had a back issue, and then he had this, the microdisectomy surgery that kept him out all of last year, and he's coming back. He's also got the new lab putter, so he's got that longer putter, which was always kind of a, a, a balky thing for, for Willie Z was with that putter, and that seems it seems to be getting a little bit more of a comfort level with that. So to finish tied for second around Riviera, is a promise. It's exciting for Will Zalatoris and good for the golf world. Look, this guy, young player, took the world by storm. His record at the Masters, jumping into contention right away, which is just, and he's a fun guy to watch. He seems to just kind of march around his business. He can make all kinds of birdies. And uh, uh, Will Zalatoris, um, you know, that uh, of the things that you look at, the head scratchers were Patrick Cantlay not closing the deal there at kind of his hometown event. And then, Obviously, what Hideki did to come back with the final round 62 to win. And then you look at Ed Zalatoris and his uh, his good play getting that tie for second. So lots of good things there. Scotty Scheffler, by the way, tied for 10th at 8 under par. 
Um, other notables, Tommy Fleetwood was in that mix as well. Jason Day at nine. I'll tell you what, Jason Day's trending a little bit. I want to keep an eye on Jason Day. Tony Fino, we mentioned just a little bit. He was uh, a T19 at six under par. And uh, he's lost in a playoff to Max Homa in this event previously. Uh, Rory McIlroy was five under par. He opened with a 74. Came back 66, 69, 70. But that 74 was tough to overcome. He finishes at five under par. So a couple of notables there from the Genesis. And again, the Mexico uh, Vedante, Mexico Open at Vedante is uh, going on this weekend. And then we move to the Florida Swing. So I, I will say this. I've spent quite a bit of time uh, talking about how I love the West Coast Swing. And it was a bit unfortunate that this year's West Coast Swing had so much rain and interrupted it somewhat. But uh, coming up, we've got uh, the Cognizant Classic at Palm Beach, the old Honda. Then you got Puerto Rico and Arnold Palmer. And then the Players' Championship, March 14th through the 17th. So, yeah, good stuff. Then Valspar and then on into Texas for a couple before the Masters, April 11th through the 14th. Oh, you can feel it. It's uh, coming up quick, so exciting stuff. Hey, stay tuned. The Caddy joins us next right here on Real Golf Radio. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Talking golf with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. One day you'll get it. Here's Brian and Bob. Hi, right, welcome back. It's Real Golf Radio. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper. Good to be with you and excited to welcome in America's favorite caddy. There are bag rats. <laughs> and then there are caddies. Baby. Pro jocks who are legends in caddy shacks across the PGA Tour. While we can neither confirm nor deny the existence of this legendary looper, here he is. The Caddy on Real Golf Radio. Oh, yeah. Caddy joins us each and every week here on Real Golf Radio. Caddy, good morning, sir. It is a good morning. Okay. Glad to hear that. Good morning, gentlemen. It's usually some sort of elaboration on that, but we're going to let that slide. So, hey, Bob and I have been discussing something kind of interesting today. You, You know, Jordan Spieth got DQ'd last week. And for, for uh, signing an incorrect scorecard. And it did bring out a bit of a firestorm discussion amongst golf purists, average golf fans, and general sports fans. And the consensus is either signing your scorecard is an integral part of the game and sh- you shouldn't mess with it, or it's antiquated, outdated with today's technology. Everybody knows what the scores are already, and there's no need to uh, t- for this whole disqualification. I guess there is a third slight adjustment to that, and that is this signing of the card is integral, but the penalty of disqualification is a little too harsh. What, where do you fall along that line? Yeah, so... Um... Everybody, everybody does not know what the score is. So only the golfer knows because he doesn't know if he's incurred a penalty, a ball's moved while he was playing. So until he attests his card, you, you don't know what the score is, even if you're right there watching him in the group, if he doesn't say something, you know. So that's, that's number one. Um, so, so you kind of have to keep the, the signing the card thing going. That's one reality, but I really don't think that there should be um, penalties and things like that at the tour level for mistakes. I, they, they've already figured out if a, someone incurs a penalty they didn't know about, 
a day after, you know, and they find out about it a day after you've signed your card and turned in, you don't get, you don't get disqualified anymore. So that, that was kind of a nice common sense change to the rule. But, uh, yeah, I guess, um, like, let's look at specifically at, at, at Jordan Spieth's situation. Did he just simply sign for a, for a three when he made a four? Yeah. It was that simple and then walked away. And then and came back. It. He came back and realized he had made a mistake, but he had already left the scoring area. And so ah, he was gone. Okay. And, and Justin so, Thomas so, came, came on and said, Justin Thomas made a clarification, said that Jordan Spieth was going to have some type of a situation for an, as far as an accident was concerned. <laughs> and so he ran out of the scoring area real, real quick and then figured out what was going on and came back. Yeah. If anything could distract you, that would be it, but he could have always not signed the card and then come back. Yes, um, that's true. But are, are you, but, but that's, I mean, you got to consider, are, are you thinking that clearly at that particular urgent moment in time? Probably that's not. Exactly you're right. thinking you clearly, have, but you're thinking clearly about something else. Yeah. Oh, you're definitely thinking clearly and you're focused on one thing. There's one goal, <laughs> just one. You have one job, just one job and you better get it done because he's yep. wearing white pants. Is he not? He's always wearing white pants. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Get the, you know, it's interesting. My dad always said, okay, if you sign for an incorrect scorecard, whether it's a shot or not, you get disqualified. But if you sign for a scorecard for a higher score, you have to keep it. That yeah. doesn't make sense, does it? Doesn't. It's absolutely it's an, doesn't. It's an incorrect. Yeah, it's 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 an in, incorrect score. Period. Yep. Right. Whether it benefits you or doesn't benefit you. So. Yeah, that's a little weird on that. But I, I do think that here's the problem, because again, because golf, unlike the way other sports are done, most other sports, um, you do have to, you do have to attest to your score. You do have to do that. And so there's some point in time when you need to put a, a, a limit on when is that set in stone? Cause it has to be set in stone at some point in time. Um, what if you were 72 holes, shoot, it's set in stone. Uh, yeah, you could say, you could say it, it, it's not really, but I don't know. It's, uh, here, here's what I'll, here's what I'll drill down to. When's the last time this happened on the tour? I'm not sure. I would imagine it probably happens on an annual basis pretty regularly. Yeah. But the, the point is that it, it almost never, it essentially never happened. Yeah. And, it hardly ever, it hardly ever causes a problem. So, so the question you have to always do uh, benefits of changing things. Is there a good compelling reason to change this just because it happens once in a blue moon? And what about other problems that might cause it to do it? So I would argue that's pretty simple. Um, there's no real compelling reason to change. It did stink what happened to him. Literally. Probably, ah, there it is. But, no, <laughs> uh, you knew it had to happen. That, yeah. Can't go this whole show without having something you got to edit out. You know, that's right. Always something you got to edit out with the caddy. Yeah, I you know He's I appreciated the club, Grandma. I appreciated that he owned it. 
and didn't make a big deal about it is unfortunate. Yep. But um, I mean, it's not like a Roberto De Vicenzo situation, right? I mean, that there yeah. are some there are some tragedies out there. I, I I like to go back to what you said. I'm on I'm on board with attesting the score because to your point. Maybe you moved a ball. Maybe something happened that you needed to uh, call a penalty on yourself. And again, if that's the, but but my assumption is is that most players or all players are trying to be honest and not trying to get away with things. So this would discredit some players that have are no longer on the PGA Tour. But um, I, I think you ought to you ought to still have to attest to your card. I'm not sure that disqualification is the right penalty, and incorrect is also signing for too high of a score. So there ought to be something maybe addressed with that. But uh, at the end of the day, especially on the PGA Tour, maybe it's a local rule that protects the integrity of the event from not losing one of your star players. Maybe it's a flagrant type thing. Maybe it's a scoring situation where, hey, if you've had a, a scorecard, you know, it's a flagrant penalty one. And if you have a second scorecard issue, it's a penalty two and you're disqualified or something like that in it within a season so that that doesn't allow for someone to, you know, to try to be a perpetual you know, problem with scorecards or something like that. So I, I don't know. Th- those are my thoughts. It's, it seems like it's somewhere in the middle there. I think that why not change the, maybe you do change the penalty from DQ to one or two shots or something. The more interesting thing though, and speaking of things that may get cut before the show goes to final, um, I really want to know, I want, I want to know about the conversation because as we know, Spieth and Greller are always having interesting conversations or at least (laughs) Spieth is having a conversation. At least Spieth is at, What's the conversation that ensued when they left the scoring area quickly? Because you know Greller was going with it. Because Spieth's not he's not doing anything without Greller. So I need to know yeah. what was the what kind of questions was he asking at that time? Michael, what do you like here? Oh, uh, well, Jordan, come on. I like the handicap. Or, I like the handicap stall at the end. Yeah. Um, it's looking. Michael, how did yeah. you let me do that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Michael, my. I should have used I, I should have used three squares, not two. Come on, Michael. Are we done now? I mean, are we done? No, we're, we got never be gonna. It's we're four, Bob. You know, we're fourteen <laughs> years old. We. That's what happens. There's there's a part of male development that ends at age fourteen, and it has to do with the subject we're okay. on right now. All right. Well, then let's change the subject. How about that? How about that? Okay. All right. Okay. So, jeez. Uh, all right, Caddy, let's let's switch it up a little bit. Because we were also, we, we got talking about the Masters, which is a fun topic, right? Because we have special invites uh, that have been announced. The, the media book has been released, and which is uh, the media guide, which is awesome. And uh, we've been going through it. And one of the things that came out is that they lengthened hole number two, Pink dogwood, ten yards, and they sh- uh, for the Masters tees, and they shifted the tee box to the left. So, what what's your opinion on that change, making that hole five eighty five? Probably a good change um, if it's to the point where you've got lots of guys firing five, six, seven irons in there then I think that's a good change. So. But what about off the tee? 
What what does that do or what does that promote? My contention is it makes it a little bit easier to sling one down there right to left, but it discourages the guy who's going to hit driver off the tee that fades the ball. Yeah, well, if you're pushing it back and left, it does make it. It so missing it left there is is what you don't do. Uh, for for those who have not been uh, able to walk down that fairway, even if you spectate that hole, you don't know. It's it's a super steep hill when you go a little left of the fairway. It's a very steep hill down to that creek, to that yep. hazard area, and you don't you don't want to miss it left. So it takes that out of play to a greater degree because you're shooting away from it. Even though you're hooking it, you're, you're teeing off away from the Creek at the angle. So yeah, that makes it probably a little kinder to tee shot, even though it's longer. So, and, and again, yeah, it, it favors the right to left player. So one of but the other, I, I like the change. Yeah. I think it's a good change. I, I think it'll, it'll bring that bunker a little bit more into play. And like Bob said, it definitely challenges the players that are trying to fade a driver off there. Cause you, you have to hit it out. You have to have a pretty big, you have to have a pretty big, uh, hook or, or come up straight, Draw. right. If you're going to fade it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to fade it, you're going to have to lay up short of that bunker. So, Hey, uh, the other thing that came out of this is one of the media guys pointed out on Twitter that, uh, tiger has never eagled number two. Sure enough. I went back and look at it and, uh, yeah, no Eagles. In competition for Tiger Woods at number two, does that that's pretty surprising? You know, uh, my guess is right before he goes to sleep at night, and he looks in his closet and he sees how many green jackets does he have now? Five, four, four I don't pieces even know. of crystal. And he probably doesn't lose any sleep over the fact that he's not eagle number two. Okay. I don't think that's on he his has, mind. He has five, he has five green jackets. You're right. I'm not I'm not okay. suggesting Tiger's stressed about it. It was just a little surprising. You would think that Tiger's probably eagled all of the par fives there multiple times. I just thought it was a little surprising. That's true, but more importantly, do you think Tiger's gone through the in and out drive through wearing the jacket? Like <laughs> Bill with the Krispy Kreme drive through. Uh, I would say Did no. He, I would say not if he saw Phil do it first. He's not going to copy it, right? He's not going to. He's going to set his own bar. This he's is all you need to know about those two. Those two people. One of them seeks attention, and one of them seeks anonymity. So there you go. That's correct. Mm. You know, speaking of of celebrities and how they handle being celebrities, I love the line that I think Arnold Palmer's best friend and manager said about him. He said Arnold Palmer just really enjoys being on Arnold Palmer. And what a nice thing to have in your DNA. Um, when you're that popular a celebrity, but you love all the people coming up to you who are excited to meet you. And you're really genuinely happy to meet them all the time. You got the impression that's what Mr. Palmer was like. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. That would be, yep. you know, that sounds, when you just sit here and you're not, and who is in that world? A handful of people. But you sit here and you think, oh, yeah, well, how hard is it to be nice to someone who's coming up to ask an autograph? Well, try going out to dinner every night of your life and having 74 people come up to ask you for your autograph every single time you sit down to go eat. It's, 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 it's difficult. Um, 
there's a lot of perks that come with it, but there's a lot of stuff that's, uh, you know, you lose a lot of freedom for sure. You're kind of in a, you're, you're in a super nice prison. It's really nice. But have we talked about, I I must've brought up my story about the rain delay or fog delay we had at Tory one time. And I was talking with tiger about, about this subject. And he mentioned how his boat was named privacy because, and he loved it because when he gets on his boat, nobody can get, you know, it's private. There's nobody can get to him on the boat. Um, and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. But you know, you know what the caddy says, never feel sorry for anybody who owns their own private jet. (laughs) Or their own private yacht. Or both. Caddy, good stuff as always, man. We appreciate it. Thanks for taking some time to join us and uh, have a great weekend, huh? I will. Thank you, gentlemen. You too. There you go. Wow. That was, uh, that was very good. I think I, when he responds wow. like that, I think he has more to say. But we've just we've ended his, his session a little too soon. But we'll bring him back next week. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. That was the caddy yeah. right here on Real Golf Radio. Stay tuned. More of the show next. Now, back to Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. All right, welcome back to Real Golf Radio. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper in Morocco, and you just heard from America's favorite caddy. I'll tell you what, I teased this at the beginning of the hour, but oftentimes as we're visiting with the caddy and we finish up our allotted time that we have available to visit with the caddy, then we end the segment and he wants to continue to talk with us. Sometimes we go ahead and roll on that and we store it in a little file we call Caddy Uncut. Well, this one was too good. We decided to just go ahead and share it. So you heard what we were talking about there and it led into him sharing this story. We were playing with Ben Crenshaw at Harbor Town one year and um, Carl was caddy informed. We get up on 14, which is 14 is 14 is the easiest par three. Bob, Bob, is there an easier par three on the tour to hit a ball out of bounds than on the 14th hole at Harbor Town? Oh, yeah. Left. I mean, it's just right. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't even think about it. And then it happens, and you're like, wow, that OB's right there. It's right there. And I've seen yep. a couple guys hit an OB there. Anyway, and there's water um, right. And, oh, it's just a brutal hole. And if you, you, you want to kind of miss it long and left, and then you're in that little pot bunker yep. that used to be even worse. It's not as bad as it used to be, but that hole's just, that's in the, that's such a difficult little hole. Oh, is that a hard hole? So anyway, the wind's doing its usual, who knows where it is. You know, it's in the face. Anyway, Crenshaw hits three straight balls into the, into the hazard. And for some reason, he's reteeing them from the tee. He's not going up to the drop area, which isn't making all, maybe there wasn't one at that time, but anyway, when he when he hits his third ball on the hazard, Carl reaches in the bag, and he pulls out a sleeve. He does, he hasn't like taken all the balls out of the sleeve, so he's literally got to box the ball, you know, like like it's a weekend golfer or something. He pulls Jumping the sleeve out and cracks it open. Cracks it open. Pours out one of the balls, hands it to Crenshaw, and turns to us dead serious and goes goes. We've got fours now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> even, even, Crenshaw, even Crenshaw started laughing. It was just oh so funny. I told you the line about Phil's brother with that pebble, right? I had to have told you this. Charles House playing with Phil. Nick's caddying for Charles. 
they get up on the first tee, first first hole of the day, and Phil kind of announces, I got Callaway twos. And his brother, Tim, leans over and whispers to, to uh, Charles Caddy, Nick, our provisionals are sixes. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, that's all world, isn't it? Oh my goodness! Our provisionals provisionals are going to be six. You know, you got it going on when you got a compartment in your bag for your provisionals. There you go. That was the caddy. The discussion that continued after we were done. So uh, yeah, there you go. Even the caddies uh, drop a little zinger now and then on. The tour guys. So, yeah, fours and sixes out there. Uh, that was pretty good. Hey, uh, we're going to welcome in our good friend. He's the director of sales and operations for Fujikura Golf, and he joins us right now. JB, Jeremy Butler right now. Hey, what's up, JB? How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great, Brian. How about yourself? Did, did you like the caddy uncut? I can only imagine the stories that go on untold for years <laughs> and years. There's uh, there's so much that goes I mean, think about the stories we have just playing in our games and our groups. Right. I can only imagine what it's like with these guys who play golf every day. There's got to be just incredible stories. Well, you heard, so. you heard Bob drop a little bit in there. He goes, sound familiar, Brian, when uh, he was talking about Carl pulling out that sleeve of balls, right? And, and I guess it, yep. it was only at that point in time that I realized that apparently that is something you don't do on tour is leave the balls in the sleeves. They've got to all be unpacked and just in the, in the bag. Right. I guess that's apparently a thing. Loose. Yeah. yeah. Loose. Yeah. We Loose. Don't, you don't rip out a whole new sleeve. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Well, Bob, my provisionals are six. Yeah, <laughs> so, so when the one year, my one caddy experience, which by the way, if you're going to have a caddy experience, why not caddy for a hall of famer masters champion in the masters tournament? I mean, why not? Right. I mean, shoot for the moon. For sure. huh? So I caddy for Billy's last Billy Casper's last round at Augusta, and and uh, he was playing for his grandkids. He really had no interest in competing necessarily, but he was just there. And so we went, and we get to to sixteen, the par three, and we hit five balls in the water, and we end up huh. making a fourteen on sixteen. And so what he was at, what, what Bob was referring to is when we got to the drop area after the first one in the water and I'm handing him another one, then another one. Now I literally had to unpack a sleeve of golf balls because I didn't expect, and he goes, come on, you got to have those balls. Ready. I remember Billy saying that, come on, Brian, you got to have those balls ready. And I remember like, I didn't know we were going to be using the whole box. Yeah, right. <laughs> but Billy was so class through the whole thing. And of course he didn't sign his card. And so when you look in the book, uh, there's no mention of that uh, 14 on 16. No score. No Correct. Score. Yeah, no card. So yep. they keep a class. There you there go. Augusta. But uh, yeah, indeed, good stuff. Hey, let's talk some golf shafts. And thanks so much for joining me here on the show, because it's the time of year. We, we've been talking to the guys at Callaway. They've been releasing their new clubs. A lot of, uh, well, pretty much every company has new gear coming out. But the unsung hero I've said all all uh, throughout the years that I've known Fujikura, and by the way, speaking of 25 years of Real Golf Radio, the first sponsor that gave us a shot was Fujikura Golf and helped us to, to launch the syndication portion of our show back in 2003. So we've always been uh, really good friends and um, have always been certainly appreciative of Fujikura and their sponsorship and support of our show over the years. And as such, are big fans of the product. We've seen the product uh, you know, evolve and change over the last couple of decades. But um, I love talking shafts. It makes, it makes a lot of um, difference in the game. Last year, I'll just give a quick example. I was, I've, been, I've always been a spinny player, so I'm trying to bring that down. So using the triple diamond head from Callaway, to, which is their low spin head last year on the Paradigm, and then went from blue to black uh, Ventus. 
And I was always a little intimidated to play the black, but was really uh, amazed at how that brought the ball flight down, just going from the blue shaft to the black shaft. So with that kind of setup, JB, um, let's talk shafts. What is it about shafts in general that players, as they're looking at their new gears or considering the new driver out there, fairway wood irons, what is it that they should be considering when it comes to shafts? Well, the, the first thing that we recommend for everybody is to go see uh, a custom club failure and get professionally fit, right? Because there's so many different things that go into our golf swing and so many different things that we can do with a shaft that, that it's best to go and, and get on a monitor, look at some numbers and, and let's figure out something that we can help bring that spin down for your case. You know, something that you probably wouldn't try if you were trying to do on your own. You wouldn't pull a black because you think it's too much for you. And you historically, you like that softer in the handle that the blue has had part of it. But when you go and you actually hit and you see, Hey, it doesn't feel terrible. I can make some adjustments to the flex or the weight if I need to. And then I can get a shaft that can help along with the club head, drop that spin number down. So all that comes from a fitting. Um, so that's going to be the first thing I'll tell you. The second thing is, technology that we can put into a graphite golf shaft is amazing. It truly is rocket science. So that's what we like to call it. So we're excited about it and and we love seeing results and hearing results people have when they test our product, when they put our product in play. And, you know, it's proof in the pudding when we see the best players in the world that put it on in play week in, week out. And that translates from the best players all the way down to all of us weekend warrior type guys. No doubt about it. Jeremy Butler, Fujikura Golf joining us. And it's not unusual that everybody in our foursome that I'm playing with has a Fujikura Ventus shaft. Ventus has taken the world of golf by storm over the last few years. In fact, um, got some attention from a lot of, of, of your fellow BYU fans and other football fans for playing with Kyle Van Oy recently. And wouldn't you know it, he was rocking the Ventus as well uh, while we were playing. So, yeah, it's what is it about Ventus that has been so uh, widely successful for you and for those of us that are playing it? It, it works. That's the thing. You know, the, you think about it, we're, we're talking about the original Ventus Blue we launched in uh, early 2019. So we're going on five years that that product has been in the market now. And it's still out there, wow. still out there on play every day, right? Um, so the technology that we put into it, uh, the development of VeloCore technology and the results that we saw in performance gains, in um, off-center hits, staying in play rather than going out of play, the increased ball speeds in off-center hits, uh, all that stems from the technology that we put into that golf shaft, mainly the VeloCore technology that was developed back you know, 2018 through our ENSO uh, testing system. And now you have a new blue shaft that's coming out, a new version of the Ventus Blue. What is different? I see it says VeloCore Plus. Talk me through that one. That's correct. So the next generation of, of Ventus is here. Um, VeloCore Plus, we've taken the technology that was part of the original VeloCore that combined two very high-strength uh, carbon fiber materials. We've expanded that. We've added a third material to that mix that, that makes up the, the torsion plies of, of the shaft, and that is now VeloCore Plus. So takes material, and, and it's the next generation. So are we going to start seeing guys with the VelaCore Plus now? Is there going to be, is everyone going to have Plus Envy? 
Uh, sure, exactly right. <laughs> and you know, what are you going to call it? The right, the next generation VeloCore has be, become such a technology nomenclature, right? People talk about the Ventus, they talk about VeloCore. How often does that happen that people refer to shafts with the technology that's mm-hmm. in it, right? People are just talking about, oh, I got the VeloCore. Oh, you don't have the VeloCore. I've got the VeloCore. We love to hear that, right? So that, that gets it out there. The marketing team has done a great job. Our tour team is phenomenal. And you know they get to work with the best players in the world week in, week out, along with the club companies. And the, the joy in seeing the product work, you, you talked about it earlier, it, it works. And that's the proof that we see happen is guys see it, they put it in play. Nobody gets paid to play it. They play it because it works for them and it helps them hit the ball better, hit more fairways. And that's what we love to see. We're so excited about this new Ventus Blue. Um, it launches this coming week, 229 is the official retail launch of it. So super excited. Uh, right now that it's the blue profile that we're launching. So uh, excited to have it come out. Mike, see it plus uh, new new next gen and some of the other colors as well. I'm just guessing. You don't need to announce it right here. But yeah, check it out. FujikuraGolf.com. It'll hit retail coming up next week. Jeremy Butler is the director of sales and operations for Fujikura. Good friend of ours. JB, thanks so much for taking some time, man. Great to visit with you. And thanks for the update on the technology. Same. Thanks, Brian. Good talking to you. You got it. So check out the new Ventus powered by VelaCore Plus technology. FujikuraGolf.com. It's all the time we have. Bob Casper's in Morocco. Appreciate him checking in. Thanks to John Patrick, Augusta Golf Show. Starting to get a little taste for Augusta, the caddy, as well as Jeremy Butler there with Fujikura. For our producer, Dave Glauser, I'm Brian Taylor. We'll see you next week right here on Real Golf Radio. Thank you for listening to Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. Follow us on Twitter at Real Golf. And join us every week on the Real Golf Radio Network.